Tech Educator Podcast, Episode 2. Welcome to the second episode of the Tech Educator Podcast, hosted by Jeff Bradbury, Sam Patterson, Jeff Herb, and John Samuelson. The Tech Educator Podcast is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational technology. For more information, visit our website at www.techeducatorpodcast.com. Welcome to the show. Let's go around and say hello to our hosts for this evening. Jeff Bradbury, how you doing? Doing well today, Jeff. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's good to have you on here and be able to talk about some great ed tech stuff. Uh, we also have Sam Patterson on the show. Sam, how you doing? Doing great, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing great. Your finger puppets look fantastic. Um, John, how are you doing today? I'm excellent today. Tremendous. Uh, let's get started by talking about each of our different podcasts or chats and just give a little bit of update with what's going on with those. Uh, let's start with the TeacherCast podcast. Jeff, what do you have for us? I had a lot of great episodes this weekend featuring Civic Games. We uh, interviewed Chalkable, and we had a great uh, interview with Mentor Mob. but the one that I am mostly interested in talking about was a great episode that I did with you, Jeff, and Mr. Mike Russell from the U.K., where we talked about how you can be a great podcaster in your classroom for little or no money. I had a great time on that podcast. Uh, I was totally blown away by Mike. I think it was a brilliant combination between uh, his English accent and his amazing radio voice, but I'm definitely jealous about what he's able to sound like when he does his podcasts. <laughs> but I kept wanting to ask him directions. <laughs> yeah, he was a, it was a fun show. Definitely check it out. Uh, had a great time being on the show with you. Um, what's new with Patui? Well, <clears throat> last week we had a great conversation with Sally Severns from Answer Underground, and she walked us through a number of uh, ways that her app has changed and was able to talk about how she went from a parent looking at her kid doing homework to, you know, an ed tech entrepreneur. It was a good story. And this week we've got... <clears throat> We're talking about digital citizenship using a PLN model uh, with students, kind of a kid blog-based approach to digital citizenship. And then the chat afterwards, we're discussing puppets in education, from Sesame Street to Puppet Point, from the Skeksis Beak to Big Bird's Tail. We're going to explore the why and how of puppets in the classroom. I think that'll be a fantastic chat with how much you are talking about puppets on Twitter and basically everywhere. I think uh, everyone will be tuning in just to see what is going to happen. <laughs> right, right. There, there must be something. I, I'm, I'm going to try to make really good use of the tout feed during that chat uh -huh. because I'm thinking that, like, you know, a series of short 10-second videos is really the way to go here. I think you're probably right, and I'm excited yeah. to see how that's going to play out. So, Yeah, it should be entertaining. It's the beauty of doing a video show when you can actually see what Sam is doing. So, Exactly. That's great times. Let's head on over to John and see what's new with the Techlandia podcast. Um, there are some new things going on with Techlandia. We did start our Twitter account today, Ooh. and we got up to 50 followers within about five hours. So that's that awesome. makes me think that someone's actually listening, which is nice. Um, but we just go over our three apps, our three um, people to add to your personal learning network, and our three websites. And um, I did want to – we did have a revelation last week that Arnie Duncan did actually quote me in his Twitter feed about three days after I had given him the quote. So we're convinced now that Arnie Duncan's shills are definitely listening to the Techlandia podcast, huh. which was an exciting development. And so I'm begging them to let me interview him and find out why he has not abolished No Child Left Behind yet. That's and really that's cool. That's what we have. Yeah. So anyway, but we did do um, – I did a TCA session, which is our big Texas conference last week, and we pulled out every – app that we had uh that we had gone over from every show on a symbolu and so we just published that out today too as well so we've got something and the session was really um well recepted so it was fun that's awesome uh new in the life of the instructional tech talk podcast this past week's episode talks about managing email dealing with competitive urges between your colleagues 
and also um, the iPad versus the iPad Mini. We had talked about it briefly on this show. I carried it over to a full episode on my show, and it just gives you some information about if you are looking to expand or implement a one-to-one program, which iPad works best for you. This upcoming week will feature Evernote and how it can be used in the classroom, so you can check that out on Wednesday as well. For now, just so you know, our show will be hosted on the TeacherCast Podcasting Network website. Please use our domain, which currently forwards to the TeacherCast website, so that when our show moves to a permanent home, your access will not be interrupted. A link to that is techeducatorpodcast.com. We're going to jump into our discussion section of the show today. Jeff, you had posted something about Digital Learning Day. Want to take it from here? Sure. We had a great time at North Brunswick High School doing all of our digital learning. And uh, my orchestra kids got involved just as many kids all around the world were getting involved. They actually spent some time using our iPads and creating iMovie trailers and putting together some really neat videos teaching the elementary and the middle school kids how to play the violin, what the differences are between a violin, viola, cello, and um, how to read music. And they had a really, really neat time together. And uh, you know, I want to give a good shout out to all of my high school kids. They had a really, really nice time there. That's awesome. And uh, later, I'm getting completely distracted by Sam right now. Yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> if he's not if he's not typing, he's got his puppets going. He's tremendously great at distraction. Um, <laughs> what did you guys do, John and Sam, for Digital Learning Day? Um, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Sam. I, I must be the Digital Learning Day curmudgeon because I <laughs> tweeted out early in the morning, Digital Learning Day. I think February is 28 of those, and there might be like 30 plus next month. Awesome. Um, I did enjoy the the quality of content on Twitter being upgraded for that day. Like there was a lot of amazing stuff going on, and I thought, wow, if everyone cared about this stuff a third as much as the people in my PLN, this is what it would look like every day. So that was exciting to me. Um, I didn't do anything differently though. But you know, on Digital Learning Day, we were doing green screen movies we were using a common evernote document as a you know scrum for production for the entire ninth grade you know we were sharing stuff online we were blogging we were doing what we do every day yeah. and so everybody else cared so that was great cool john what about you see that's why i love sam because we're in we're shooting right from the the same wavelength because that was actually the quote that arnie duncan used on digital learning day because we have a friend up in Oregon that actually went to Washington, D.C., Mr. Technology, uh, Jeremy McDonald. And he's one of the people that kind of helped get um, Digital Learning Day going. But my response was that when, when we were asked that last time, I said every day should be Digital Learning Day, just like every day should be Earth Day. There, I don't celebrate them. It's no different than any other day. Every day we should practice doing, um, you know, um, digi- we should practice using digital tools and all those different things so arnie stole that one from me so i'm i'm with sam on this one that's what that's the way i roll all the time digital yeah. learning day all year long that's awesome i'm totally oh. with you guys on that too um we did try and make a little bit of an extra presence for the kids in our ipad one-to-one classes because we are so um you know that's on a small scale in our building so we're trying to get the word out about that and kind of teach other teachers what we're doing with the iPads in those classes. But beyond that, you know, it was kind of like a typical day in those classrooms. So uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Jeff, what's the next thing on your list here? It's something about Disney announcing some spinoff. You want to share a little bit about that? Well, I'm very, very happy about some of these news coming out from uh, ABC and from Disney that apparently in addition to doing episodes seven, eight, and nine of Star Wars, the next trilogy coming out, they're in talks to do right now spinoffs movies featuring and starring Yoda, Boba Fett, Han Solo. And that is really, really exciting news that we're going to be getting these side stories, side movies coming out. And um, there's really no talk yet if they're going to interwind with, uh, with actually the main trilogy. I think that'd be kind of cool if it was like a side story of what was going on in between episodes seven and eight or... Maybe a Yoda backstory. Who knows? But it's uh, really, really neat. Are you guys um, Star Wars fans out there? 
I hope there's a cooking show. <laughs> cooking with Yoda. <laughs> Boba Fett in the kitchen. <laughs> I always have to say, Boba Fett has always been my personal favorite Star Wars character. So anything where they're going to make some spinoff episodes with him, I'm all for that. That's That seems awesome to me. Yeah. Or, uh, but didn't Boba Fett die in, the, in, in episode two? <laughs> But uh, didn't wasn't his son with him? Did his son die too? I, I was no. trying to think of that. So I was thinking maybe that's what it, it could almost be like a whole bounty hunter Luke Skywalker saga going there. Um, um, they have no, a clone you're army. Right. That's right. Have... It, it was Jango Fett that died, the father. Okay. But but even if Boba Fett died, there wouldn't really be an issue because one of the key players here is a clone army, right? Which suggests. What do you say? That... I, I'm saying that they could make more Boba Fett. There's just, you know, there is the technology, right? What is the plural of Boba Fett? <laughs> oh, my God. Bo- I, I, Boba Fettim? I don't know. <laughs> no Boy, comment. Talk about a digital learning day. There you go. There's your next year activity. Create your own Boba Fett or create your own Star Wars character. <laughs> and explain everything. That's is, actually... it Boba's or, is it Boba's or Bobai? <laughs> Many I don't Boba. Know. Boba's I don't, know. don't they have the, the Boba T? Where you can put the little those are those little beans in the tea, the boba. The boba. What I'm talking about. Nope. <laughs> it sounds familiar. I'm. I'm. You know. There's the. Uh, yeah. I've seen the movies. Certainly not proficient in all the uh, characters and anything. So I think I'm just <laughs> going to stay out of this one. <laughs> well, well, I'm thinking that if we've got if we've got the whole world of star wars at our disposal and we're not fettering ourselves to stories that have already been written then you know we could really explore there's some really great subcultures in star wars you know there's there's the jawa right there these nomadic scavenger people right but then there's also the ewoks right and they're these forest dwellers and what what happens when their economies expand to the point where they're competing for resources, right? Like, there's got to be a, a bunch of oil underneath Hoth. So I imagine the Jawa and the Ewok having a giant resource war over the oil in the ice flood at Hoth. My God, this is incredibly elaborate. It's starting to make sense, doesn't it? It is, actually. That sounds good. You know what? I'm all for it as long as... All that Sam just said, as long as there's no Jar Jar Binks, that's all I. That's all I ask. I don't want a Jar Jar Binks spinoff. Me said Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think Tyler Perry is already making it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't he directing the next trilogy? Then it's between him and J.J. Abrams. Awesome. <laughs> well. We should move on now. <laughs> um, move on to different games. Yes, a different game. Jeff, how do you feel about the iron being out and its new replacement? Wow. Um, you know, I what, what you're talking about is the fact that they've recently had a competition and they were deciding on what the new Monopoly token is going to be. And they were also voting on what the Monopoly token should be leaving the board game. Apparently, you can't have an extra Monopoly token. They have to have an even amount. And so America has spoken. And uh, it seems like we are going to have a cat icon, a cat avatar. And um, I guess we voted to have the iron taken out of it. Uh, I don't know. Um, Personally... It's just it, it's really really sad for for the iron workers. I think um, all those people that are out there that that reach for that iron as their first token, I, I really think we're doing them a disservice. Um, Sam, uh, what do you think? Can I interrupt here real quick? Because when you say iron workers, I picture like people working with like molten iron and like steel workers. I mean, we're talking about the handheld iron, right, Jeff? <laughs> Yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> they, they work with iron. They, they, they pump the iron. <laughs> <laughs> now we talk about weightlifters. Yes. Well, you know what? They might be for it if the cat actually weighs more and they have to make, pour the iron into the cat mold. That's true. And it's a little bit heavier. Maybe they would actually put some iron workers back in work then. That's true. Maybe this does affect the Addition workers of iron. <laughs> Sam just what, is looking at us confused. A, what about a, you know, I just, I, okay, a cat, great. You know, they've, they've proven that 
cats are a high engagement content, you know, just ask the interwebs. And there was even a study recently that, that care, people at work who watched cat videos online were more productive, more productive than what? I don't know, the cats, I guess. But to put the cat in the Monopoly game is ridiculous because if you have a cat, you know that the cat ends up in the Monopoly game anyway. And usually <laughs> as an angel of mercy to come in and just wipe that off because what are we playing I own you for anyway, right? In this day and age, why are we engaging in recreational activities that model hostile corporate maneuvers? It's ridiculous. You know what? It almost reminds me of that horrible war between the Jawas and um, everybody on Hoth over the oil. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. It's all just a big circle now. I can see it. I love it. Circle of life. <laughs> well done, everyone. Well done. Um, let's jump into something a little bit more relevant to our show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're, the recent news article I saw on Apple Insider is talking about how book publisher Macmillan has just settled with the U.S. Department of Justice to avoid an e-book price-fixing investigation leaving Apple as the only company that has not yet reached an out-of-court settlement. So what that really means is that book retailers such as Amazon will be able to start discounting digital titles from all major publishers, and that's from the Wall Street Journal. So books made by Penguin, Hachette, HarperCollins, and Simon Schuster will all be able to be sold at a rate that isn't absolutely astronomical and ridiculous now that this settlement has gone through. What do you guys think about Apple not having settled with this yet and the pricing of ebooks and how that's kind of stopping people from moving forward with iPad programs? Sam? Well, I get hung up on the language of came to a settlement in order to avoid an investigation. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that sounds like a beautiful piece of, of just corporate democracy right there. Um, but... You know, I think that the the cost of books is a real issue, and that cost of books issue has managed to transcend this giant platform shift we have, which I think is a real testament to the power of publishers' lawyers. Right. Um, but, you know, the idea that we could get some movement on this is actually pretty exciting. But, you know, all of the almost all of the texts I have in my class are straight off of Project Gutenberg. And while, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was done a long time ago that was interesting and can be relevant, it's challenging. The guy from Police Academy had a project named after him? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, well, what's been interesting with us, and I'm sure, John, you've seen this too, as you've rolled out an iPad program, um, the majority of the texts that we've purchased for the iPads have been almost as expensive as the textbooks we buy for the classroom, like the normal ones, the ones that are actually printed, the ones that cost money to manufacture. And I just, I can't understand that. What what have you seen with your rollout? I did, you know, when I hear stuff like this, it's just like, I can't, it's, it, I love the iPad. And I, you know, as I sit here on my iMac, I love all Apple products and I'm admittedly an Apple fanboy, but I just don't understand why they don't, help out with education. I mean, it, it just seems uh, just going back to what we were talking about last time with the Apple configurator, just being a mess. Mm-hmm. It seems like the Apple could really step in and really be revolutionary. And I don't know what's stopping them from helping out edu- you know, as, as we buy thousands of iPads just in my school district, why aren't, I don't understand why they're not helping. I mean, they have as much money as most you know, whatever the stat is, like <laughs> almost every country on the face of planet Earth. Right. I mean, what, what 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 do they need to do? I don't know, but I don't know why that they don't go a little bit deeper and help education out and, and make it easier to put apps on things, make textbooks cheaper. I think that that's always the thing that holds education back. There's this big thing with legislation, and I think it's all tied back to textbook companies and the amount of money that textbook companies and the influence they have over legislators that don't really understand what's going on in the classroom. It's a whole big problem. It's almost like that 
horrible conspiracy on Hoth a long time ago with the uh, oil embargo with the Jawas. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand why Apple has to has to be like this. I, I think they could really help out and. I think they used to help out educators a long time ago. I don't know why why they've kind of turned a blind eye to that now. Yeah, I, I completely know it. I understand what you're saying, and I completely agree. And I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with the litigation that's gone on in the past and the quarreling between, you know, Apple and the people that are providing the content. And it's gotten to the point where I think they purposely leave out features that are extremely beneficial because they know that, including those features would make it a lot easier for us to share content in ways that the publishers don't want us to. And it's totally unfortunate. And, you know, one of these days, I think it will get settled in some way, shape or form, but it may take us creating our own content and distributing it in a way that, um, you know, makes sense for us either through configurator, because if you created your own iBook, it's extremely easy to distribute to all of your iPads. I mean, you can't do it wirelessly yet, uh, through anything Apple makes, but it's not a pain in the butt. You don't have to have your redemption codes that expire if you accidentally wipe an iPad the wrong way. And, you know, there's just a laundry list of things that don't work with large-scale distributions of iOS, but there's also a lot of things that do. So I'm hoping in the future it will uh, kind of well, pan it's, itself out. It's almost as though they need to develop a slightly different OS, that you know is set up to open all those gateways that you would close in any normal retail environment because you wouldn't want that those users to be able to share all of that content but you know all of these things that are protecting your intellectual property are you know backpacks in the, in the aisle so to speak as we're trying to teach and we just end up tripping over them all of the time so then we don't use that but there has to be some way, and maybe it's maybe it is a, a modified version of an OS that you know would be. This is the education mode, in which there's a lot of internal sharing, there's a lot of external shutdown, um, there's you know a lot of control over what apps are available, and a lot of that control is completely duplicated somewhere else in real time. Yeah, have any of you uh, spent any time using iBooks Author or creating your own digital content for the classroom? I think it's a great program. I, I wish they did more than one update in the last year. I mean, it came out. It was great. And they really haven't done much with it as far as updating it. They, they, you know, they popped out a little one or two things over the summertime. But things like putting widgets out and, you know, really just general functionality, it would be great if it was a little bit better and a little bit easier for the general teacher. The fact that in order to actually make it run, you have to buy an ISBN number to put it onto iTunes. Right. Okay, I understand it. But that does limit to what the average teacher can do. Sure. Yeah, that's true. How about the other two? Have you actually created stuff that you've distributed uh, in the classroom, digital content? I, uh, I've been I've created stuff, but I have not distributed it in the classroom. I've kind of messed around with it a bunch, but um, and, and I like it, and I, I just got a... Um, some other widgets that you can use with it. So, I mean, I'm constantly trying to see if it's a good platform. But right now, I think we're going to go more in my district towards iTunes U for professional development. So I'm kind of focusing a little bit more on just using iTunes U so that um, when we use professional development for our district, that people don't always have to be face-to-face. -face. Give them a little another option, see if it'll work for them. Yeah, awesome. Well, I had, I had an interview with Monica Burns on my show a few weeks ago. I can't remember which episode. I think it was five, um, talking about iBooks Author and how she's using it in her classrooms and what um, she's creating to be able to do that. And it's actually really cool what she's able to put together for her students. So if you're interested in more stuff like about, uh, about that, you can head on over to, I think it's episode five of the podcast. But, you know, maybe someday we can have her on this show because she was she's really doing a lot of cool stuff with creating almost entirely digital content for her classroom. She's not using anything that the building has provided for her anymore, which I think is awesome. Is she, is she by you over, is she um, in Illinois or is she just, she's somewhere else? She's somewhere Where's, else. I think she's in New okay. York, I okay. believe. But um, I found her, she has an awesome website, classtechtips.com. And uh, she had a post about iBooks author on there and it's good stuff. 
So I know I'd heard of her. I just didn't know where she was from. Yeah. Yep. I would definitely check that out if you're interested in that. Okay. Checking now. Yeah. Any other comments about ebook and price fixing and great stuff like that? No, I don't think so. Fantastic. Uh, the second thing is kind of I put in here out of jest a little bit. Um, it says <laughs> Home Depot was the latest corporation to drop BlackBerry. And then in the show notes for me, I put, please, for the sake of my curiosity, contact the show any means that you have. You can contact me on Twitter. I don't care. Please let me know if you're still using a BlackBerry device and explain to me why. Um, (laughs) I'm just curious. I'm not out to, like, come down on you, like, why are you doing that? But I haven't seen a BlackBerry in a long time. (laughs) Wait, let's wait. Let's see if we hear a response. Yeah. Do we have people? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I just hear crickets. Sorry. That was well done. Thank Beautiful. you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm getting the hang of the old Google Hangout. Awesome. Well, I guess... Credit him with Foley. <laughs> <laughs> Home Depot's dropping about 10,000 BlackBerry devices from their corporate um, army. So that's another Look major, out, India. Another major <laughs> hit for <laughs> RIM. We should have an over-under. How many months until RIM's out of business? Ready to go. <sighs> <laughs> is this like our Super Bowl over under? Yeah, this could be our Super Bowl over under. Like great Super Bowl predictions. We did so well. I think Jeff was the only one that said like maybe, and he obviously was somewhat correct. But um, yeah, yeah I, thought, I, I thought I was going to be close when I I was joking and said Ravens by thirty four, and then it looked like it was until the infamous blackout. The power, right? <laughs> it was caused by all the blackberries. Yeah, right. In the, area. the massive shutdown. <laughs> Awesome. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. I know they've been going through a rough patch, and I don't see them as being able to rebound from the massive amount of customer loss they've had, but just interesting to bring up every once in a while. Well, um, I know that ever since um, Ryan bought everybody Blackberries at Dunder Mifflin Scranton from the <laughs> office, that um, and then he got, you know, he kind of lost his way a little bit, and he got, he got it, lost his job, so maybe that was, that was a lot of users down the drain there. Yeah, that's wow, true. Man. Good point. Yeah. Office. Screwing it all up. Oh, man. That was so funny when he tried to get Michael to set up his BlackBerry. <laughs> or just even his PowerPoint. That was awesome. Yep, good stuff. Um, John, why don't you share with us a little bit about the new hashtag that's going on in Texas? Okay, so I'd be happy to. We were at the, uh, T- the TCA conference in Austin last all week long. It's a pretty. It's a pretty long conference, Jeez, yeah. and um, so that's where I was all last week down at the convention center. But at the end, they have this little place called the Digital Square that's run by an excellent educator named Scott Floyd. He's uh, at Woe Scholar on Twitter, and he's a good this follow. Winter, but um, so anyway, he he actually he's the one that let me do my session that was just simply titled "iPad Sammy" and no description whatsoever. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was I, I, what was even more awesome was it was at noon. It was against Dean Chereski and Steve Dembo Smackdown. So all of like my friends were up watching the Steve Dembo, Dean Chereski Smackdown. But we at noon and we still had it pretty packed. It was I had a tweet where. They they said if there's more people on the floor than in the chairs, you know it's a good session. So that was fun. But yeah. um, what we decided to we we took it over the last day, and I just said, why don't we should just do an Ed Camp and have uh, like a SmackDown? And so we had a SmackDown, and you know people get really nervous about even coming up when it's just like thirty or forty people. But what we had what we had said was we had done a good job of getting people on Twitter. And now I think we need to take the next step. And so we started a hashtag. It's going to be called TX Idea. And I'm going to start it with Matt Gomez from Kinder Chat. And so what we're going to do is we're basically going to just anything that comes across my RSS feed as a good idea for the classroom that I think somebody could use right away. We're just going to go through. I'm going to hashtag it TX Idea. And there's just going to be go-to things if there are educators in Texas that want to start you know, implementing more technology or finding some new technology for the classroom. So we're going to work with um, the other hashtag, which we have, which is TX Ed. And uh, that's going to deal with more of the different things on the legislation <laughs> side. But um, I think so that's, that's a great trying. idea, John. Thank you. So yeah. that's what I'm trying. I, I try and change the world. I don't know. One hashtag at a time. <laughs> now, now, Sam, you're starting a new hashtag too, Ed Puppet, aren't you? Ed Puppet, I thought it was Puppet Chat. <laughs> and I, I've been using Puppet Chat and Puppet Army. And the, the really funny thing 
is I realized halfway through my puppet club meeting last Thursday that all of my puppet army jokes are actually true because in the third act of Julius Caesar, all the puppets are at war. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. So, Sam, I know when we were talking before the show, you had wanted to discuss how hashtags are great ways to kind of share out information. You know, running a Definitely. hashtag chat the way that you do with Patui, what are some other hashtags that are worth looking into that we should kind of talk about? Well, one of the things I've, I was really impressed with, and I'm always impressed with, is how you can, you know, kind of target your hashtags to really get into different groups. Um, and it's, you know, always useful to search them. But there are these huge lists of hashtags. And honestly, I use maybe two or three. Mm-hmm. I use uh, EdChat a lot. And I use Patui, which is the one that I've got for the... Palo Alto tech using educators. It's great because it doesn't make any sense. No one knows what it means. So I love that. I thought it was. I thought it was like I was trying to make the acronym. I thought it was puppets against teachers. (laughs) In puppets and technology used in education. Another way that I can run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's 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 flexible because I got job applications out. We got to move sometime. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, But the. Hashtags really allow you to share content and sort content and find content. And it really became apparent how cool they are last week at the beginning of my chat when they weren't working. (laughs) Like something was going wrong Tuesday evening on Twitter and none of the search functions were working in my apps. They weren't working on on Twitter itself. So that ability to search by that unique indicator was just lost. Um, the other hashtag I, I do a lot with is literacies um, because it's a personal interest and because almost every time I tweet something to that hashtag, one of the people on it responds to me. Like there's there's a lot of uh, people behind that hashtag. And when you find a hashtag that has individual people behind it, another one is CoFlip. My friends Cheryl Morris and Andrew Thomason started uh, the hashtag CoFlip, which is about collaborative flipping. So, John, with your idea, you know, having two people that are kind of responsible for keeping your eyes on that hashtag and responding to it, it becomes a really great magnet for community. Yeah. What about for puppets? <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're, I think Juan and I will figure out what we want the puppet hashtag to be through the uh, puppet chat this Tuesday, probably. <laughs> I completely agree with what you're saying about the community thing, though. I uh, have set up a hashtag ITT challenge for my weekly challenges that I've started up. And it's really cool to watch how, you know, the past couple of weeks when people tweet out that they've completed that week's challenge, um, there's been people that have just kind of jumped in and said, Hey, nice job. Keep up the good work or cool. Let me see what you put together. And, you know, you can tell they're following that hashtag, just waiting for someone to tweet out that they've completed it to kind of give that little reinforcement. And I think that's, so huge in keeping people motivated to try new things and keep learning. So you're, you're totally right about, you know, hashtags being able to spark some sort of community aspect. And I feel like people are doing that with Patui um, and they're starting to do that with the one I set up. And I hope that they'll be able to do that with the TX idea too. Um, yeah. It just there's seems... a ton of people right now following men versus puppet. <laughs> That's good. That's really important. I think. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I want to make those kind of movies. <laughs> Awesome. Don't Speak know how to respond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can we go back to that real quick? Sam, your puppets are so elaborate. I just don't understand how you have the time to create those. Um, I, I don't, right? Like, interim reports are on Wednesday, and I've got a pile of grading this big, and I don't assign paper assignments. So this is really problematic, right? Um, but... Part of it's because I've taken on this this idea that my freshman English class is going to use Julius Caesar as a project-based learning opportunity, and that project is a puppet movie, and there's just a lot of puppets to build. Um, but, you know, it's... Luckily, my mother taught me to sew when I was in high school, and this is all just modif- modifications of that. You have patterns, and then you put them together with glue, and then, boom, it creates a puppet head. Yeah. For those of you that are not watching the live uh, video feed or a recorded video feed, um, these puppets can rival those you can find on Etsy. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) impressive. So 
highly recommend can, tracking down the video feed to see what we're actually talking about with these puppets. Can can we hear the voices? Yeah, um, Pi-Pi's actual voice is, Oh, no, that's not right. That's just wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's good stuff. What, what was the inspiration behind that, that, that frequency? Um... That, the, the pie is based on an actual dog that I own, and uh, she's got probably the most elaborate voice because I've been talking through Pie's voice for years. Because my wife will say something, and then Pie will pie, pipe in in the background and say, "Oh, that's not right." And you know, it's it's a good time. Um, <laughs> there's also a really great narrative that Pie goes into when the other dogs get on top of her, and I think the technical term is establish their dominance. <laughs> so um, this week I was using my iPad in my classroom. <laughs> yeah, right. We have derailed. <laughs> That's good. Why don't we uh, head on over to our app section of the show? Um, <laughs> the gra- show? the yes. graceful shift from defiling puppets to apps on the ios devices uh we have several listed on here um talk about fast camera did you put that in jeff yeah fast camera is a great app if you haven't tried it yet you need to um basically it's the difference between taking a still photo and taking a video camera photo um and if you just turn it on it'll just take random um, pictures. It'll take a hundred pictures in, in a minute, let's say. Hmm. And then the neat part about it is you're doing motion. So for my instance, I've been using it in my orchestra while they're playing to take pictures of them. And then you have the opportunity to see all hundred pictures that you've taken and you can choose the one or five or six pictures that you want and then you delete the other ones. But let's say that you're, you know, you're a mom or dad and you're out at the soccer game you can really start to have some good fun with that, trying to find that exact shot of the ball in the air and the foot going up or whatever, or the puppet in the whatever. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, fast camera, and it's good for iPhone and for iPad, too, and uh, cool. or three or four. So, yeah, definitely check out fast camera. That's awesome. Uh, you have Apple Remote on there, too, right? Apple Remote is great. They just actually upgraded it, um, put some neat features in there. Yeah, what's and new? Apple I downloaded it. I'm not sure what's new in it, though. Um, it's just a, it's a little bit faster, I noticed, and I don't remember all the detailed things, but basically Apple Remote will replace your, um, your, your $30 remote control when you're using an uh, Apple TV, let's say. That's the yep. easiest thing to talk about. With your Apple TV, you've got an up, down, left, right, and an enter button and I think a back button, but it's really, really difficult. If you're searching through Netflix or searching through YouTube, you have to, you know, figure out how to type using that little thing. Well, if you have Apple remote on your iPad, you can simply pull up the numeric keyboard and you can use the iPad to type in everything that you want. Plus it's also good for, you know, just using it generally with the menu settings. So I, I use that every, almost every single day that app, both on the iPhone and on the iPad, it's priceless. And especially if you're in a classroom, you can use that all around the room, and uh, you know you're not necessarily tethered to one little device. Yeah, that's awesome. I use a uh, Apple Remote solely for my control of my Apple TV at home, so I definitely agree that it is an invaluable tool. Um, just to not have to try and find where the heck that tiny silver <laughs> remote is that is most definitely in between the couch cushions. Yeah, oh. I've, got, I've got two of those remotes, and they're always somewhere, or they're behind the bed against the wall, and, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, they're just fun. Yep. No, that's good stuff. Uh, the next one that we have... That's up, not just me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, no, I'm no. sorry. No, no. I, was, I, I lose mine all the time, too. Yep. The Apple remote saves me all the time. Yep. Me, too. Um, the next app that I have on the list is called Mailbox, and it's one that was very recently released, and it's gotten a lot of press already because it's doing a staged release. So if you were to download the app um, Mailbox on your device, you would be met with a screen that says you are number whatever in line, and there are this many people behind you. Um, I was able to actually get an early code so I could get in and try it out, uh, which was really cool. But in just a couple of days that I've had to use it, it is absolutely transformed the way I handle email. I, I, I thought, you know, I'm really hard to change my ways and how I deal with technology on my phone, especially email. Um, but it's 
absolutely phenomenal. It's a cloud-based email tool that right now works with Gmail, and it can pull your Gmail into this mailbox app and then let you manipulate that email once it gets onto their servers. So I'm just going to read something real quick. Mailbox lets you put off messages until later with a swipe and a tap. Snoozed emails return to your inbox automatically so you can focus on what's important now. Basically what that means is that you're able to defer email and say, hey, I'm not ready to do anything with this right now. Come back to me in, you know, later today or tomorrow or next week or next month. And then you can do it, you know, you can put it off again or you can do something with it. But I find times all the time where I mark an email read because I opened it. I'm in the middle of a meeting or I'm at work and it's not something I can deal with at that time. But I forget to check it again because I've marked it read and I don't see it anymore. This way you can say, remind me later and it'll disappear, but then show up as a new email again three or four hours later. Um, For how early of an adoption this app is, it's surprisingly not bug induced there's uh it's really really well put together and it's something i would definitely recommend you can find it at mailboxapp.com or you can just search on the app store just mailbox and of course we'll have all the links to these on uh on our website with our show notes here too absolutely uh let's see who's up next with another app penultimate who put that on there that was me cool Um, let's hear about it ultimate uh, somebody just early last week tweeted out that Penultimate had converted into a free app. I don't know how long it's been that way, but it coordinates with Evernote, and it's a drawing app and or sketchbook-style app, and it does the same thing that so many of the sketchbook apps... Um, man. Does the same thing as so many of the sketchbook apps do. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, you can you can import pictures in it. You can draw on top of the pictures. You can blend your own colors and brushes. And where most of the free sketchbook sketchbook apps have you know one tool and eighty five tools that are grayed out, and you have to upgrade to them, Penultimate comes ready to go out of the box. Um, this week, my kids were doing design work in English class using the Penultimate app. I'll give you two guesses as to what they were designing. <laughs> hmm, puppets. <laughs> maybe yes maybe we'll see yeah who knows cool well that sounds really cool i didn't realize that evernote had acquired them i used them a long time ago when they were their own uh app and i can only imagine that they've been vastly improved not that they were bad before but um to have evernote built into it the functionality i'm assuming is just awesome it, it was uh, a really good front-end use. I haven't gone, I honestly haven't gone into my Evernote to find where those things ended up yet, but I have some degree of faith that they're accessible. Awesome. They are. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to transition into the red light district of apps. Um, John, Excuse why don't me? you, John, the red light district oh, of iOS apps. John, why don't you uh, fill us in a little bit about that app you recommended for us last time? Okay, well, <laughs> I feel like seeing Red Light Special from TLC, so but uh, I'll spare you guys the uh, the. I, I really like these two apps, and you know we we actually mentioned them yesterday on Techlandia, and the thing is, I'm just imploring you people, please, this people. Winter? Stop go. using these apps Repair for just these just purposes. That you, you, just stop. I mean, we could use these things for education. System. They would be great. So Vine lets you take six-second videos, and all you do is open the open the app up, and you hit you hit a video, and you just have to tap your screen, and so you can take little snippets, and it almost makes it into um, it, you know, just like these little mini movies, and then you can just tweet them right out. You can post them to your Facebook. It's really pretty cool. I made a bunch of them at TCA. It was kind of fun just to sit there and people would look at you real quick and you'd zap them and then you'd zap over there and zap over. They're really kind of cool little, you know, it almost goes with that one second every day app where you just take, you know, one second of video a day. These are just like little six second vignettes almost. And um, I think it's a really cool app. But of course, every time that I used it, then everybody would be like, oh, have you seen that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> that article and i'm like yes i know that people use it for improper things and um it kind of leads me into the second app where this there's another app that i think is really good that i checked out and it's pretty much i think it's only about three days old it's called shortwave 
and shortwave lets you go ahead and you you know there's no time limit but you basically just turn on your your facetime or whatever and you ask a question so the, i saw this person pose a question they said what was your favorite movie from the 80s we just saw the breakfast club there were some younger girls or whatever but they're like we just saw the breakfast club what are some of your favorite movies of the 80s and so it starts this whole little visual thread almost like a twitter and so this guy goes hey i'm you know, so-and-so from Germany, and I really liked the movie Short Circuit uh, when I was, that's my favorite 80s movie. And then you'll like this one, uh, Jeff Bradbury. Somebody goes, oh, I really like all the first part of the Star Wars movies. They're really great. <laughs> and uh, I thought, and to myself, I thought, well, that first one was 1978. You're not in the 80s there. But, I mean, the second two was, uh, I, I think, was, was Empire Strikes Back 81? Was that 80, what it was? It was 81 and then I think 83. Okay, so, right, so she got the last two in there, but I was thinking, oh, gosh, Star Wars is like 77, 78. I remember yeah, 77, I think it is. So, um, anyway, but it's, so it's this really cool app where they can start up these discussions. I said, boy, you could start up one and say, hey, what's your favorite educational app and start a thread? But I have a feeling that these people are just not going to use it properly. And uh, when I looked, the shortwave was 4+. plus. So, hmm. um it, I mean, so maybe people haven't gotten to that one yet. And if they haven't, can we just implore people, tell your neighbors, just keep, there's other things, other things for that. Just leave our apps alone, please, so we can put them on our iPads at school. So yeah. I could post a question that was just like, hey, what's your junk look like? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's what people are going to do with it. Those jerks. Uh, <laughs> I hate them. Hold uh, on. Good. Shortwave? <laughs> well, that's great. Any uh, what's that, Sam? Is that shortwave.com? Uh, no, I think it's just the shortwave app. Shortwave, I just I, I type up shortwave in the app store. Okay, thanks. I did, it was it was harder for me to find the link today. Anyone have any closing comments before we wrap up this episode? <laughs> Jeff Bradbury, we haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing? Yeah, Jeff. I think he left. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just sitting here watching the puppets. Yeah, they're and, distracting. Um, it's a good time. They're distracting, actually. I think that next week, maybe instead of doing the video, we should just have Sam do the, the reenactment of the whole thing in Finger Puppets. <laughs> I think, I think Sam, you're right. It is engaging because we actually have <laughs> like been glued to the, that year screen. I keep watching that one constantly. Um, you, you, did I you mention your own... my blog is bethedistraction.org? That's true. That's a good point, yeah. too. Yeah. You, you have your own lower third, by the way, Mr. Puppet. Oh, good. Very nice. <laughs> Speaking of that, why don't we go around and just say where we can find each other, we can bring up if there's anything new on our websites. Jeff, why don't you start? Sure. Uh, you can certainly reach out at teachercast.net, where you can find a whole bunch of great podcast blogs. And uh, we have an online course that we just released on iPads and our and are looking for new writers for our blog. We've got a lot of great things happening out there. And uh, check out some great podcasts coming. Also, our other website, jerseyeducation.com, and the Jersey Educator podcast. Um, is um, We've got some great episodes this week coming out with some great New Jersey educators. So, you know, this is really hard to do when you're looking at three screens, and one of them has a talking dog on it. Very true. Speaking so, of the talking dog, Sam, where can we find you online? So my website is uh, mypaperlessclassroom.org and bethedistraction.org. Um, I've been writing mostly about uh, puppets this week and posting videos about puppets. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some writing I need to do about using digital tools to respond to students, kind of flipping the student response thing that I've actually been tweeting with jim burke about so it's really interesting but it's not puppets so i haven't done it that's all right good stuff john tell us about where we can find you okay well you can find me um at my website is ipadsammy.com uh recently added this week was um my tca session on special uh app using the ipad with special needs students and that was a new one that i had done and i will also be posting the all the Techlandia apps that we have gone over, and I think there's 27 of them. So there's a 27 uh, button symbol coming, 
that I'll post on there. <laughs> and uh, I will also be keynoting the Mobile Media Conference uh, this Wednesday, where I will be doing the keynote, uh, the opening keynote, 50 apps in 50 minutes. You like that one, Sam? Because I make that one new every single time I do it. That's awesome. And oh, with a host of other things. <laughs> you know, right? And I also do activities where I go a little bit slower and show people how to use the different things. But there you go. Sam does this too. Minutes. Sam I wrote a session like that. It's called Crap Your Pants. You can't possibly pay attention to all this stuff. <laughs> you know, my... As soon as you said that, I'm watching the, uh, the, the, the live broadcast here. We just lost three users. Ouch. Yeah. See, that's, that's a professional development session that I'd actually go to. <laughs> Please name stuff like that because that lets me know what I'm at least getting myself into. <laughs> hey, I got to say, John, I uh, tried Snack Tools this past week, mm-hmm. and it is awesome. Like It is pretty awesome, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm having fun. I started up a poll on my website using Snack Tools, and uh, you know, it's just so easy to do and embed basically anywhere you want. And uh, Yeah, I know. I think I'm going to have to buy some stuff for that one. That yeah. might be worth the whole year subscription right there. Yeah, let me know, you know, when you get into that, if you decide to do it, what you can gain out of that. Maybe you can bring okay. it on to the show in the future. Okay. Cool. Uh, again, you can find me, Jeff Herb, at instructionaltechtalk.com. You can head on over to Twitter as well, INST Tech Talk. We have the weekly challenge that was released this week, and it actually deals with screencasting, something that a lot of people have asked me about. Um, so you can head on over to instructionaltechtalk.com to find out information about that. Uh, we have a lot of new tools being set to be released over the next couple weeks, so uh, there'll be a stream of new information about online resources that you can use in your classroom. Uh, more information about this show, we have a hashtag that we've set up. It is hashtag tech educator. You can tweet at that to ask us any questions, submit any kind of apps that you feel are great for your classroom or for education in general, um, or to just say hello and see what's going on. Uh, we also, tweet at me, bro! Yeah! <laughs> we also... Uh, we'll be recording this show live, apparently, using video through the TeacherCast network. Uh, we'll be recording 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can find that at TeacherCast.com slash podcast. You can also... Ah, net. Dot net. Sorry. My mistake. Net. TeacherCast.net $2,900 difference there. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Uh, you can also find the show notes for this episode at techeducatorpodcast.com. Thank you so much for being with us this week, and we look forward to you coming on to see us on the show next week. And until then, have a great week.